associate with Christmas. There's certain music that uh, we associate with Christmas. Some of you have been listening to that music since April this year. <laughs> Don't know what you're going to do next week when it finally goes off Sirius XM. If I hear wham one more time, I'm going to wham my Sirius XM. Or maybe a certain foods that uh, we associate with Christmas time, maybe that we only partake of during that time of year that make us remember Christmas. But certainly some of the things, one of the things that is unique that reminds us of Christmas is the gifts that are involved. Think about the most favorite gift that you ever received at Christmas time, whether it was from Santa or from some family member. For me, it was back in the early 80s when I was young. I know some of you were not so young in the early 80s, but that's another story for the time. But for me, in the early 80s when I was young, I was obsessed, obsessed with He-Man. You know, He-Man and She-Ra and all that crew and Battle Cat and Skeletor. I was obsessed with it. And one Christmas, Santa delivered to me Castle Grayskull, as well as Snake Mountain, the same Christmas. They even had a little microphone where it sounded like this when you talked into it. It was the most awesome gift ever at that time. We associate gifts with Christmas. Now, now whether that means that uh, those gifts are memorable in good ways, or maybe some of you have gotten to, into the doghouse a time or two for some gifts that you've given, and it's memorable in not so good ways, gifts can be memorable. Be it Ralphie's official Red Rider carbine action 200-shot range air model rifle, or whether it is Clark Griswold's Jelly of the Month Christmas Club membership that he got, gifts can be memorable in one way, shape, form, or fashion. As we think this Christmas Eve morning about the first Christmas, we think about the first advent, the first arrival of Jesus, he brought with him some gifts. We've been talking about those gifts. Joy and hope and peace. And today we want to think about the greatest gift, and that is love. Look with me in John chapter 3. It's a familiar passage to us, and you may be thinking it doesn't seem like a very good Christmas Eve passage, but I would argue that this is among the greatest Christmas text because it tells us about the greatest Christmas gift that was ever given. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. You've probably heard this verse a time or two, because it reminds us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Jesus is the greatest gift given to us by our great God because of his great love for us so that the greatest miracle could ever occur in our lives, namely the salvation of our souls. I want to mention to you briefly this morning three things. I'll let you get to your family gatherings this afternoon. Three things 
about this gift that I want to call our attention to this morning. First is this, there is a richness presented through this gift. There's a richness that is presented through this gift. Sometimes a person may spend a lot of money on a gift. Now, if you wake up tomorrow and there is a vehicle in your driveway with a bow on top of it, somebody went to some great expense for that gift. So I don't even think about it. It's not coming. <laughs> saying if <laughs> in some other person's budget that were to happen. Sometimes a gift costs a lot of money. <clears throat> Sometimes the, the gift, as far as the cost of it and the payment of it and the, the dollar bills of it, doesn't really cost much of anything, but it's still very valuable. For you see, the richness of a gift, the, the, the price of a gift, has nothing to do with the richness of that gift. The richness depends on the meaning that that gift has to the giver and on the sacrifice that is required to part with that gift. Listen, some 2,000 years ago, God the Father wrapped the most precious gift of all, the most valuable gift of all, His Son. He wrapped Him in human flesh and He sent Him to humanity. The sending of that gift did not cost God one single penny, but it was a rich gift that bore great significance and great meaning and great sacrifice in the heart of the Father. It was a gift that demanded this great sacrifice on God's part, on the Father's part, to send His Son to earth to give us His only Son. Think about it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The Father, God the Father, did not give that gift expecting that we would take care of it. The Father did not give that gift thinking that the gift would bring people joy while he walked on this earth. In fact, when God gave that gift to humanity, what did humanity do with that gift? We killed it. We rejected it. And God knew that that would happen. You see, God knows the end from the beginning. God knew that if he were to give his one and only son, if he were to allow that son to walk in the path of men, God knew that that path would lead him right to a place called Calvary. He knew his son would be crucified. In fact, in Revelation chapter 13, it talks about how Jesus, was called the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before it all began, the father knew the son would be crucified. Will you think about that with me this morning? The richness of this gift. The father knew what giving the son would mean. The father knew the suffering that his son would bear. The father knew the rejection that his son would face. The father knew all about the wounds that would be inflicted upon him. 
The Father knew full well of the blood that would flow. God the Father knew about the spit that would land on the face of his son. God knew all about the nails that would pierce his hands and his feet. God knew all about the crown of thorns. God knew ahead of time. The Father knew the agony that that gift would endure as Jesus hung upon the cross. So intense was his spiritual suffering that he looked at his Father and said, why have you forsaken me? And the father knew all of this was going to happen, yet he still offered his son as a gift. Oh, that's, that's a rich gift. Oh, the richness of this gift. Jesus is a gift that came to us out of a deep sacrifice that bore deep meaning. What a rich gift has been given to us. There's a richness with this gift, but secondly, there is a reason provided for this gift. Think about the reasons that you give gifts during this time of year. Now, obviously, there's some noble reasons. You like people. You like your family, or most people in your family. But there, well, let me just ask you, and if you say this had happened to you, you're a liar, you need to repent. You ever gotten a gift from someone that you weren't expecting to get a gift from? And a person for whom you did not buy a gift? And then when you got that gift, you said, huh, I got to get them a gift, right? Anybody here done this? I can go all afternoon. I've got a full sermon from me. Anybody? Okay. All right. The rest of us are liars. (laughs) Because that's when you go, okay, well, I got this gift. Now, is, is there a gift card I haven't used? Or... Is there a gift card I've used and it just so happens that it's got a balance with zero, zero on it and they won't know the difference? Hypothetically, hypothetically. (laughs) (laughs) I pastored a lady once who on significant uh, events, birthdays, anniversaries, whatever it was, Christmas, she would give people a gift or a card someone had given her. She would scratch out her name. And I think one time she gave us a gift card that had zero dollars on it (laughs) because she'd spent the, (laughs) the money. Sometimes you give because you feel obligated to do so. Sometimes you you give a gift because you think that by you giving a gift that maybe they will feel obligated to give you a gift. Sometimes, gentlemen, we do something stupid or we say something stupid. And we think we have to have a gift to make up for that. We, we give gifts. There's different reasons for all of us to give different gifts. But let's think about it from this perspective. Why did God give this gift? You see, God did not give us the gift of Jesus out of obligation. He didn't give us this gift expecting to get something back from us. He did not send his son to make up for something he did. The reason that God sent his son from a throne in heaven to a manger on earth that would lead to a cross and to a tomb is spelled out for us in John 3.16. For God so the world. The reason that God sent this gift was love. Listen. God gave this gift knowing exactly what would happen to him because he loves you. 
God allowed his son to walk up that hill and to hang upon that cross because God knew that was the only way for you to be reconciled to him. And he loves you so much, he was willing to do that for you. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you and that love has been undeniably demonstrated when he sent his son to die on a cross for you even when he had full knowledge of who you were. You see, our love, if we're honest, is sometimes conditional. But God's love is unconditional. God saw my sin, yet he loved me. God knew that I would reject him and rebel against him, yet he loved me. God knew that I would go against everything he wanted for me and through me, and he still loved me. And he proved that love for me by sending his greatest gift, his son, to die for my sins. It's no wonder that in the early 1900s, The musician penned these words. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every one a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole Though stretched from sky to sky, oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. That's how much God loves us. That's the reason for this gift. This gift has a richness. This gift has a reason. But third, There are results produced by this gift. There are some results that are produced by this gift. Because God gave the world this gift, the world, you and I, we must decide what we will do with this gift. You must decide what you will do with the gift of Jesus. The choices according to Jesus himself in John chapter 3, are pretty simple. You believe in Jesus. Now that word believe does not mean that you go, hey, I believe he exists. That word believe means that you have a belief that leads you to trust him. That leads you to believe he is who he says he is. That he has done what he said he came to earth to do. That is a belief that leads you to put your trust in Jesus for the salvation of your soul. That's one choice, to trust in him. The other choice is to not trust in him. There is no middle ground. You either trust him or you don't. You either receive him or you don't. And the results of that are equally, plainly spelled out. Look at what our text tells us. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
But then he says in verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already. That's the only choices we have. Trusting in Jesus means that there is no condemnation both now and in eternity. We have eternal life. And look, eternal life, that does not refer to the length of eternity. Answer me this. The answer is forever, forever. That's the answer. How long are people in hell? Forever. How long are people in heaven? Forever. So eternal life that Jesus talks about here is not related to the quantity. It's related to the quality of life. That those who trust in Jesus have eternal life, no condemnation with him. Those who do not, you stand condemned already. There's no reason, there's nothing for you to celebrate this Christmas if you stand separated from the greatest gift that was ever given to you. But I've got good news for you this morning. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now. It doesn't matter what's in your past. It doesn't matter what's going on in your present. It doesn't matter what you're plotting for your future on this day. Right now, it doesn't matter how often you've rejected Jesus before. Right now, today, this greatest gift is for everyone. That God loved the world. Not one part of the world. Not one part that he thought would love him back. God loves the world. God loves everyone. God loves you so much no matter what you've done. God loves you enough that he sent his son to die for you. No matter how deep a pit of sin that you find yourself in, it is not so deep that God's grace can't bring you up out of it. No matter how far you feel you have strayed from God, You have not gone too far that his love cannot reach you. He died for you so that you could have eternal life where there is no condemnation, both now and for eternity. And the saddest thing that would ever happen in your life is for you to walk away on this Christmas Eve and go through Christmas Day tomorrow and not have the greatest gift in your life. You see, today we focused on the love of Jesus. It was love that compelled the Father to give us the greatest gift, His Son, Jesus Christ. But remember, as we have mentioned a time or two, that as we celebrate Advent, we're celebrating that word Advent means arrival. We're celebrating the arrival of Jesus when He first came to this earth at Christmas in a manger. But we're also looking forward to a second advent because he's not done yet. To a second arrival. When he came the first time, it was out of a love to redeem his creation. We are waiting for Jesus to return. We are anticipating his second arrival And when he returns to earth again, he's doing that out of love to be with his people forever. But what about between now and then? Well, those of us 
who have a relationship with Jesus, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we're, we're given commands in Scripture of what we're to do between now and then to show our appreciation for the first arrival of Jesus and to show our anticipation of the second arrival of Jesus. We call it communion, which is something we're about to do in just a moment. Deacons, if you would, distribute the cups and the elements for communion.
as you take your communion cups, the bottom cup has a piece of bread in it. And that piece of bread reminds us and is symbolic of the body that was offered by Jesus, his own body, as a sacrifice that had to be punished for our sin. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There's also a cup of juice that symbolizes the blood of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. In the same way also, Paul continues, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In 1830, there was a man by the name of George Wilson. And George Wilson was convicted of robbing the U.S. mail. Back then, it carried a pretty stiff penalty, death. He was sentenced to die. The president at the time was Andrew Jackson, and Andrew Jackson issued a pardon for George Wilson. The president was willing to clear his name and give him new life. But George Wilson refused the pardon. No one knew what to do. They had never seen anyone refuse a pardon before. And so they asked the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court to give him a ruling. And that justice said, he must die. And here was his logic, and I quote, A pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, there is no pardon, end quote. Today, as those followers of Jesus, we just celebrated Jesus' death and his resurrection and his soon return. Maybe you're here today and you've never received that gift. A gift does you absolutely no good unless you receive it. You can have 10 gifts under your tree tomorrow, but until you take it, receive it, unwrap it, it does you no good. Jesus is offering you a gift today better than all the gifts in the world because it's a gift that's out of this world, a relationship with him. It will do you no good, my friend, if you just simply refuse it. Would you receive it? I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to stand and sing a verse of a song. If you need to receive this gift and you want to receive this gift, would you just come down to the altar and say, Pastor, I need to receive I want to receive this gift. And we'll get you someone right now this morning who will help you understand what it means to receive this gift. Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to do for me what I could never do for myself, the forgiveness of my sins. And Father, I pray that if there's one here today that doesn't have that relationship with you, they've never received that gift, 
that today would be the day that they receive it. That they would at this moment confess their sin, repent, and ask you to be their Savior. Have your will and your way with us today. In your name we pray. Amen.